Welcome to 801 Critical Conversations Beyond Backstage. Tonight in the pod bar, we have Sarah, Cassidy, Bill, Herman, Jen, and of course me, John. Tonight's episode, we recorded live during the Erdas in January of 2022. Here's what the crew had to say. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Bill Dignite. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. Um, I am uh, coming to you from Marquette, Michigan, on the ancestral lands of the Anishinaabe tribe. Um, and uh, we're just so excited to be here. We have a wonderful panel of people ready to talk about taking your skill sets and your career beyond backstage and finding technical careers outside of uh, the traditional four walls of the theater environment. Um, I want to encourage you all uh, to open your chats and really use the chat. Today is about um, you and really this session is about you and um, educating you and uh, about opportunities that are available outside of the traditional four walls of theater and questions, please ask them. We're gonna have Herman a little bit later introduce. He's gonna be our moderator um, throughout the uh, uh, experience. So uh, quickly, a little bit about um, me uh, and we're gonna get to all of our panelists. Um, my name again is Bill Dignite and I am uh, currently the production manager of uh, Live Design International LDI, a conference and trade show in Las Vegas. Uh, I also uh, manage the um, Night of Illumination Award shows that happen um, in Las Vegas, uh, the USA, as well as I am the department head of theater and dance at Northern Michigan University uh, in the UP, uh, right next to Lake Superior. So um, that's a little bit about me. My focus is in production management, technical direction. Um, I'm also an entrepreneur with uh, my own production company. So I'm gonna excitedly pass this off to our next panelist, um, John Shimon. John Shimon, uh, Associate Professor of Theater Technology at University of Buffalo, uh, pronouns he, him, uh, and so I'm a technical director by training and trade, but always kind of have my fingers in a couple different things going on. Um, and, and I'll introduce the podcast. Uh, Jen, Herman, and I are the hosts of 801 Critical Conversations Beyond Backstage, which actually is a podcast that came out of this session last year. Um, that was sort of the instigating factor behind the the start of that. Uh, so this recording is going to be a podcast episode that I'll release in a couple of weeks. Um, and so I work backstage. Uh, I work on cruise ships doing performer flying inspections and training. I do little electronics custom projects. Uh, you'll see on the, on the presentation uh screen that that's moving through in the video um it's a collection of all of our work uh that that we put together to show some examples of the kind of work we do um we all we all work in theater have worked in theater uh and work outside of theater in unique roles as well uh i think i think that's everything I will pass it on to uh, Jen. 
Hi, I'm Jen Dasher. I am um, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida, which is on the ancestral lands of the Temecula and Seminole tribes. In Gainesville, I'm the assistant professor of costume design at the University of Florida. Um, I love Erda because I get to meet so many students at Erda and we started last week. So I'm in like a super positive space getting to talk to all of you. Um, in addition to being a costume designer, I take on strange projects a lot of times in collaboration with John Schmoen. Um, uh, you'll see in some of the video, some LED projects integrating LEDs into fabric that John and I have tackled together. Um, in addition, I just sort of take whatever creative opportunity comes my way, whether it's theater or not theater. Um, so I will pass it on to Cassidy. Hi everybody, uh, I am Cassidy Coburn newly Glaucky. Um, so my pronouns are she, her, and I am the exhibitor services manager at Questex, which is an event company. Uh, we primarily do conference and trade show. Uh, and I started in December. So I'm very new in this position, um, but I've been doing conference and trade show with Bill on LDI for the last five years. And that's how I uh, arrived in my new position. Um, I am a technical director and production manager by education. And that's mainly what I've done um, up until now. Um, but I've kind of taken a left turn into this new area of live event um, that I'm really excited about. Um, yeah, I've also done some cool wearable LED stuff that John got me into. Um, so spreading out into different disciplines with uh, my technical skills, very exciting. And then I think I'm last, nope, now I give it to Herman. How's it going everyone? Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Herman Montero. I use he, him pronouns. I'm calling you from the lands of the Seminole, Taino, and Tequesta people, uh, also known as Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, where I am the director of production at the Broward Center for the Performing Arts. It's our roadhouse down here. Uh, as far as non-theater work goes, I've actually, I started there by doing haunted houses. I was doing special effects makeup in haunted houses and uh, jumped around ever since. Uh, been very lucky to kind of do lots of other non-theater things. Uh, cruise ships, museums. Uh, I spent all of my pandemic time doing corporate work uh, and continue to do uh, lighting for fashion brands, uh, Fendi, uh, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, et cetera. Uh, yeah, and then I am the guy in the chat function. These are the fingers running that chat function. So please join me there because uh, uh, that's what's gonna kind of kick us off here uh, for the rest of the session. So. You got to hear a little bit of our backgrounds and we're interested very much in uh, bestowing, uh, I'm not gonna claim that any of us are really experts on anything, but uh, we do have some years of experience here that we'd like to uh, save you some steps, provide you with some shortcuts, uh, how to get there quicker, quicker than what we did and uh, make you more successful than what we are. Uh, so please uh, join us in the chat here. So what you want to find out. Uh, uh, so as you can, as you probably already heard, uh, we, we all come from different backgrounds and 
have had different experiences. Uh, to my fellow panelists, uh, if you can see in the chat, we've already got uh, a bite on the line here from Mr. Uh, Joshua Williams, uh, who uh, he's, he's been doing some gallery work, party designs, and theme park. And what's interesting is that ultimate end goal is to be professor in lighting and sound. And so we have three out of the five of us who transition from uh, the, the working field into the academia field. So uh, also that transition very much not theater related. Um, so any one of our three uh, glorious professors here want to take on to answer uh, maybe some tidbits that can help them out on that transition? John or? Yeah, I, I think the that having the end goal of, of being a faculty member is amazing. Um, being a faculty member has allowed me a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have otherwise uh, teaching at a research one university. There's all sorts of different universities out there and finding the right type of appointment for the, the work you want to do. Um, I, I really enjoy guiding and working with undergraduate students uh, and and sort of opening up the the field and the different disciplines within our field to those students and being able to say whatever you want to do we'll, we'll try and find the right path for you um, I guess I it was like a joke when I was an undergrad that I was going to come back and and teach uh, and it happened quicker than I anticipated uh, but I think that that mastering your fields and working in the areas that you're interested in before you come into academia uh, is usually usually sets you up for the best success in academia. Um, yeah. I, I to, to jump into what John's saying too, I also see that um, you have some experience in doing parties and events and and I think leaning into that well-roundedness and for all the students here you're obviously looking at extending your education into graduate school and into larger experiences um i i would ask that you look at these i do uh what people consider sometimes side work or my other work that's not theater related and really take that seriously because i would say most of the people all of us on this panel have probably found more work in our in what would be considered in our industry side work i'm challenging the theater canon here um of the the the, the efforts that you're going to make in doing party planning or uh, event management and all that there's production value in everything um i continually say that in las vegas there's an led on white castle and someone has to literally get paid to be a programmer for a video while on white castle um uh, I started my career um, with a small DJ entertainment production company with my twin brother and really building um, my experiences through that. Most of my uh, experience is in live events, in um, event management, planning, uh, celebrity golf outings, conference and trade show. I like theater, but it was a place where I could get these skill sets. So I think today, hopefully, we can explore how you can kind of take the blinders off of I'm going to go work at a major regional theater and look at how you can have a what I call a squiggly straight career. Maybe you will end up as the the faculty member at the end of it, but I hope that you'll 
all on this. Explore the options and the future that's ahead of you with immersive environments and technology out there and exploring how you can uh, integrate into all of these things. Cool. Uh, thank you, John and Bill, for that. Uh, we've got someone else uh, who has shown some interest currently also uh, calling us from Orlando. Uh, Hannah Sage is her name. And uh, she's currently uh, doing creative costuming. Uh, I think Jen would be a perfect candidate for this. Uh, her question is, uh, uh, hang on, I lost my place in this chat because it's booming right now, guys. It's booming, it's off the charts. Uh, uh, Hannah is very interested in looking into new and different ways to use her costuming background, not just in a theater or theme park setting, which is what she's done so far. Uh, I think, Jen, uh, you can probably speak a little more to things that you have done. Sure. Um, I think there's sort of two things. One is sticking in like a costume styling track. Um, so you can open up, obviously, TV film. That's super obvious. But I've done some work with pop stars, which is really interesting work as well. Um, pop stars either like performing in, in live uh, concerts or just styling them for video shoots. And people don't realize that styling someone for a video shoot or a commercial is like super fast work and kind of a lot of money. Um, so that's a nice like feather in your cap to do while you're also doing the long projects. Um, the other thing that I have been able to do in my career is take my foundational costume design skills, understanding like psychology and character and fabric and twist them and help a lot of other um, areas, particularly scenic areas, uh, kind of create those immersive experiences and be on scenic teams. And there's a reality um, in the world that scenic teams tend to get paid more and scenic elements tend to cost more. So as you're working up this career, particularly free, freelance, right? Like you've got to sort of balance these different ideas economically for yourself. So some of these outside projects have really allowed me to then do the more um, theatrical work and, and the shows and the dance projects that I really love to do. Well, thank you, Jen. Uh, I'm currently engaging the conversation in the chat room here with uh, Nicole, who is also a uh, costuming background. So far, costumers seem to be outnumbering us on the chat room. Uh, go costuming. Uh, and uh, she she's also interested in teaching. So we've kind of already hit on that topic. But what's interesting is uh, she's, she's gone back to get her MFA seven years later. And I think that in itself has been a topic that I know uh, my fellow 801 podcasters have, we've tackled this a lot of, uh, I just, uh, about that. Do you go straight out of undergrad into grad? Do you take the gap uh, and, and talking about that transition? I think I'm gonna hand over this question to Cassidy, considering that you're uh, the youngest out of all of us, you're the one most familiar with that transition of what did you do? Take us from your undergrad to grad and grad to professional uh, and, and maybe some pros and cons that you experienced. Yeah, so I went straight from undergrad to grad school. Um, I actually went to undergrad at University at Buffalo with John. Um, and then through John ended up, uh, I went to Erda 
um, ended up at Florida State, which is how I met Bill and Herman because they both also went to Florida State for grad school. Um, so I did four years of undergrad and I actually didn't start doing technical theater until halfway through my sophomore year. Uh, I started off as a psychology major. Long story, transitioned, but stayed with that. So finished with two degrees in four years, taking on every and any opportunity that I had a chance to do. Um, and then went to grad school with that same idea in my head because I felt really behind. Um, I felt like all of these other people had all of these experiences and I needed to catch up. So I have costume designed, I've lighting designed um, through undergrad and then decided I wanted to be a technical director. So now I'm in grad school and I'm continuing to do all of those things because I have a very well-rounded uh, foundation, which I would suggest to everyone take those opportunities in the other departments um, because they will make you a better person in the long run. Being able to speak everyone's language, super important. Um, but some of my classmates uh, came in with between five and 10 years of work experience before coming back to grad school. And I think having a mix of that, um, in your class when you are going back to get your master's degree is really important because um, myself and my other classmate who came straight from undergrad, we were still in education. We, we were good at taking classes. We were good at the like work of being in education still, but then we had our classmates who had all of this life experience and they were able to offer a different perspective on a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have gotten. Um, I definitely don't regret going straight from undergrad to grad school. Um, I wasn't ready to go out into the world. And I think that's a personal decision that every person needs to make. Um, a lot of my classmates in undergrad went out and just started working. And I think that was, that's great. I don't think I would have had the um, motivation to stop making money and go back to education because I personally don't really wanna end up uh, teaching long-term. I've found this a really happy spot doing corporate stuff. Um, so I think I will probably stay here long-term until I get bored and decide to do something else. Um, but taking those opportunities uh, while I was still in school is what led me to now having a full-time job doing live event outside of theater. Um, so meeting Bill, doing LDI, I started off as an intern and then the following year came back as an associate production manager. So I really think showing initiative when you get those opportunities to work with people while you're still in grad school is what is gonna set you up to then leave grad school. And if you don't wanna go directly into education, going out and doing professional work. Um, that was a very roundabout way to maybe answer Herman's question. <laughs> um, if I didn't answer the question, would love to say other things. <laughs> no, that's all good. I, I think what you've illustrated the most is that we, we each, and I'm sure if we went down the line, we each have our own individual experiences. So there is no right or wrong path. 
uh, it just so happens that Nicole took a seven-year hiatus, and some of us took more or less, and uh, it's okay. So there's no there's no shame in that game. Uh, uh, keep representing it. And uh, so moving on, thank you, Cassie, for that. Uh, Bill, I think I, I've got one for you here. Uh, we've got uh, TJ calling from the University of Buffalo. And he wants to know, how do you start working in live events with backgrounds in theater? Was it a straight path? And do you have any advice for those interested in that line of work? So uh, I think this is obviously a big point of why we're here to talk about that. And I'm hopeful that other people will jump in and how they've um, figured out how to seek this work. Um, so working outside of theater, uh, it's going to take two kinds of skill sets. You have uh, the understanding of your hard skills. What am I good at? I'm a great customer and I know how to sew or I'm a wonderful fabricator and I can do these types of skills. Understanding what you can do um, and then seeing and really serving the scene of the industry of and, and fringe industries of I work in nightclubs, I work at music festivals, Coachella, Ultra Music Festival, seeing that they're using all the things that we do inside of a theater, but in different ways, WWE, looking at all of the events and the production that's happening around the world. And if we're all in a great place to be in this environment right now, because the production value and need for higher and higher production value is just happening in every industry across the globe. So it's now taking the soft skills and going out there and sending a, a phone call or a resume, an email and engaging. I can tell you right now, I have friends that are lighting designers in nightclubs that started out as security guards because that industry is newer and the jobs there don't have a uh, more of a formalized, we're using the quick change uh, job network or offstagejobs.com or any of these things. So they're looking for people who are there, who's, who's right now, or they're going through the union and, and some of the rigging and all of that. But most of the, the opportunities I've gotten from uh, building out Red Bull uh, urban rail jams where I'm putting a half pipe in the middle of a street, like right now we're putting snow in the middle of the street to build an urban Red Bull rail jam or to do uh, uh, Tom Izzo and Steve Marucci's golf outing. All of that has come from seeking uh, knowledge of what's going on or what opportunities are happening and sending the email and really putting yourself out there. The entrepreneurial spirit is something that you're going to have to foster within yourself to seek um, these opportunities. And uh, we say freelance a lot, but you're really an entrepreneur. You're a sole proprietor business in a lot of sense as you start building these opportunities. But then the best part that happens is if you do a good job and you deliver, your name starts getting passed around um, and the networking starts happening of you don't even know the, the bridge that you've built with this connection and this other work is starting to get. I do a lot of consulting in restaurants as well of they need lighting or they want a good sound system or, hey, can you put in a 12 TV video system that can be connected? You have to think about, again, taking the blinders of like, I like confetti and glitter and smoke machines and pyro. I don't get to do that that much in uh, the traditional doing Shakespeare in a theater. But if I go work in music festivals and nightclubs, they're like, yeah, 
go for it. Lots of that, do all that type of stuff. So it's really going to come uh, from looking at industry and, and opening your eyes and kind of taking your head up and being like, what else is going on? I, I always talk about scenic designers that become storefront designers for, I have a friend at Tiffany's and another friend that's at Apothle, Apostle, I don't know. Um, I don't shop there, but it's a, it, it's a fairly fancy high-end store. But um, I have a friend that's a scenic painter at a zoo right now. And those jobs were, were found through, hey, they're using the equipment we use, or it takes a certain skill set to do that, which I have. And identifying that and seeking that. And the soft skills is really being a self-advocate, having that entrepreneurial spirit and going out there and saying, hey, are you looking for anyone? Let me drop my resume. I could help you with any one of these things. I'm going to let somebody else jump in so I don't talk too much. I'm going to jump in real quick on you, Bill. I just want to say that what Bill's talking about actually applies to theater as well, right? A lot of jobs don't get posted. A lot of it's about making connections. I get a lot of questions in URTA interviews about how I'm going to connect students out. And if I send you out on an internship or you're put in a room with someone that can end right at that end of that internship or the end of that conversation, it's actually up to you to have that entrepreneurial spirit and keep connecting to all the people that you were in a room with, right? You're in a room right now with Bill Digdite. Are you going to connect to Bill after this? That's up to you. I do take interns to LDI and uh, eventually give them full-time jobs. Uh, and then technically I work for Cassidy now, which is really fun. That's a whole power dynamic shift. I was going to say, yeah, like I, so I went to grad school, got connected with Bill and started doing the LDI internship. And now I work for the company that owns LDI. So like I showed those people in that room who honest, some of them I had never even met, but they saw how hard I worked and they saw what I was doing. And I was literally on a ladder hanging a light at my last job. And I got a cold call that said, hey, do you want this job? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Sure, can I call you back when I'm not on a ladder? Um, but it's just, it's putting yourself out there and really showing people what you can do and then maintaining those relationships. It's, it's definitely about being open to those handshakes to your future. Um, and they'll come in either big moments or really, really small moments. I once had an opportunity uh, to go to a talk back and I was sitting there and it wasn't really, um, I was at the New York City Opera I'm sitting with the dramaturge. I was with 11 actors that were loving it. I was not so excited about it. But instead of sitting there, I sought to seek an opportunity. So I went to the person leading the session. I said, hey, I really appreciate what we're learning here. But this is what I do. Is there anybody I could talk to at some point over our experience that is maybe more focused on what I'm interested in? And she goes, yeah, no problem. Well, at intermission, go to the sound booth because I like to do sound. And I, I got to do a two hour one-on-one uh, -on -one experience with Abe Jacob, the godfather of sound. I mean, USITT writes books about this man. Um, and that led, I can tell you right now, that one moment, I can do the next four handshakes to my entire career. And it, and it comes from putting the work out there and, and the good, uh, good effort and, and following up with people. That's gonna be the biggest thing is you're gonna have to build those bridges and, and maintain those connections.
I'm going to take advantage of this momentum that we've got going on here and start wrapping in uh, questions that we got from Amanda and, and another question from Joshua. Of uh, uh, and John, you can help me tackle this one because I know that you and I have uh, you've heard me speak about this a lot. It's a little bit of a soapbox of mine. Uh, but Bill talked about uh, taking off your blinders and not realizing like the it it's what when you're at a certain point, especially early on in your career, it's so easy to like not realize how far you've actually made it already and how connected you actually are and and the skills that you've actually developed uh, because because maybe in that moment you're in between gigs or something and and you just kind of start getting down on yourself. but uh, and in conjunction with that, it's so easy for us to start focusing on the hard skills. Like this is this is like I know how to how to use these series of saws and these other tools and resources. Oh, I need to gain these other hard skills, but not realizing that soft skills is really what transfers everywhere uh, through all industry, all aspects of our industry. Uh, learning how to properly communicate, learning how to be good collaborators, uh, no matter what your background is, that's going to transfer over the easiest. And, and I always like to say, like, I'll teach you how to use a saw. I can't teach you how to have a good personality, right? So I just want to, I just want to be able to work with you. And, and if we can be, if we can work together, great. I'll, I'll teach you how to use that saw or whatever tool it is that needs to use. Uh, so care to expand upon that john yeah i i think we all sort of have that same philosophy of the the hard skills are the easy stuff right and i think that's a little bit of a trickle down from robert coleman at florida state um you know hermit hermit went to florida state for lighting but cassidy bill and i all went to florida state for uh technical production um and and so ingrained in our philosophy of you know you can't teach someone how to want to work hard or like it, it's difficult but i can teach someone how to be on time right it takes multiple semesters but um you know the the idea of wanting to be there giving it your all making the work a priority uh and, and having that that motivation it's not something you can really teach uh and that's what I know I look for in prospective students. Granted, I have an undergraduate program, so I, I am interviewing high school seniors, so it's a little bit different of a situation than Erna, obviously. But uh, in my professional work, you know, I hire people all the time to work for me uh, on projects around town. Uh, Cassidy worked with and for me for a bunch of years doing Nutcracker. Um, and so, you know, being the person that people want to be around when, when you're working an 18 hour day, no, one, no one wants to be with, with a jerk on hour 17, right? Because everyone, everyone's a jerk at hour 17. So wherever your baseline is, <laughs> you want to start like as friends. <laughs> um, I, I hope that's fair to say, right? Yeah. A good work culture makes a makes a big difference when thinking about where to go to work. Uh, so so yeah. So continuing on. So Amanda Amanda said that she was wondering. Amanda calling from uh, Eugene, Oregon, so West Coast in the house. Uh, so she was wondering how to convert those skills that we've been talking about here to opportunities besides theater, and how to 
get your foot in the door with those opportunities. Uh, uh, her background is scenic design and lighting design. Uh, she's been in that field for about five years. Uh, so, and we've been kind of talking a little bit about that of, of how to transfer skills and whatnot. So, uh, so can I, can I like jump in a little bit? So, um, the, the, in the video right now, uh, you can see there's LED Elvis costume, right? So the, the story with, with that project was Jen and I worked together, uh, at university of Maryland, uh, as staff members, and there was a design for some LED costumes. Jen came into my office because we were friendly and was like, hey, can you help me with this, blah, blah, blah. So we collaborated as, as coworkers on some LED costumes a really long time ago, <laughs> all of a sudden, right? And, and so we both left that organization and, and Jen opened a shop and she got contracted to make LED costumes for a Broadway show. She called me, was like, hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm going to hire you. You don't really have a choice. Um, <laughs> uh, and then a couple of years later, I was able to get a grant and bring Jen to University of Buffalo and we made LED costumes, right? I, I theoretically know how to sew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I always, I, I always kind of point to the fact that it's funny to me that I'm like, rigor, TD, automation person, my one Broadway credit is in costumes because I, I worked on the control systems on these LED embedded costumes, right? Uh, and Cassidy saw that from a different perspective because she was my, she was a student here at University of Buffalo. And I was like, uh, I, I'm doing this Broadway thing. Jen's making me, she paid me. But. <laughs> um. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap in now Joshua's question here, which uh, you can tell Joshua has been uh, been paying close attention to what we do here because with this one question here, he's kind of weaved in all of our backgrounds and uh, and it forced like a, a group answer here. So he says, uh, open source question. Do you feel there is an immediate disconnect in method and practice going from corporate to standard theater to open event? And what tips do you have for bridging those gaps? Uh, and it's just very interesting because we've all kind of hit different portions, at least two portions of that three uh, uh, part sent a question there. Uh, so yeah, let's, uh, who wants to step up first to talk about those that how to bridge that gap? I mean, I'm more than happy to jump in here. Um, I currently am producing three traditional theater plays in my theater university job, producing a urban rail jam, working on a, the Meyer State Games, which is a high school Olympics winter event with all these different things, um, to consulting on a few different new nightclubs and some music festivals. Um, in the weed industry. Um, you bring this, in my opinion, the skill sets and the passion and your artistic um, uniqueness and, and who you are as an artist, I think that's what you bring. And I, I enter each room in the same way with passion to make great things happen um, in positive ways. Um, 
I think the biggest thing is just always having an open mind and to always be looking at the end user. Who's the client? What do they need? How can I serve the end user of this experience uh, and, and make sure that uh, I'm listening? Uh, I think listening is the biggest thing because you can come and be like, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing. But if you come with the traditional theater mindset and then you're walking into a live event theme park, uh, your show control plan might be completely different or your costuming plan might be different because you're like, oh, this was in Texas and I'm from Michigan. I didn't think about 110 degree heat in the summer. I know that's on a cool day. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that you've got to go in um, listening and, and again, just thinking about the client. If you, if you put the client or the director or the show uh, in front of you and, and really listen, I think that can always help. And, and will keep you grounded in being successful. Dibs, I'm going next. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, so so I, I want to I give uh, our, our listeners a little snapshot that I had during the pandemic of uh, th- th- three things, in a, four, four things in a row that happened to me uh, back to back. I went from uh, uh, lighting the vice presidential debates then flew to do a King's Hawaiian install at a NASCAR track, uh, then did some architectural lighting uh, on, a, on a mural down here, and then ended with uh, lighting a curious, curious dog into the, that really long title uh, play that everybody was doing that one. Uh, so I, I mainly say that because as we can see, like it's just very, the gap is there. Uh, uh, very uh, four different, very four different, uh, big different things. But despite whatever industry I was working at the time, the through line in all four of those events is whether whether the client even realizes, because sometimes there's a little bit of hand holding that has to go there. Uh, but whether they even realize it or not, the through line is that uh, the human connection, right? That's the end goal. You're trying to connect with the human being, right? And in theater, it's very obvious. You've got you've got your actors on stage. You've got the audience in the in the, in their seats. Uh, but even though there isn't an audience per se, when a building is being lit from the outside, it's being lit to grab your attention. It's being lit a certain way so you can acknowledge its architectural design, so you can see it passing by as you drive by. Uh, uh, the, the vice presidential debates, right? They were trying to connect with all the viewers on the TV. So there's always a connection trying to be made. And that's a big through line there. So focusing on what's, what's the intent of the project, uh, regardless if it's theater, concerts, trade shows, uh, that's your through line and carry that through. And, and being able to be your own salesman of, of, of kind of carrying over, carrying out that pitch uh, is going to be a skill set that's going to carry through till the end. It doesn't matter if it's a client or, or a director or whatever. Uh, so that's going to be a good thing to keep in mind, that human connection. I have one more thing to say to jump off of Herman. Um, so now in my new job, I, I don't have as much time to do these other like side jobs. But I will say, along what, with what Herman just said, the, my company, our clients span almost every industry you could think of. We own a world of concrete conference and trade show. 
where there are cranes and they tear up the parking lot and re. I want to go to that one so bad. Like, <laughs> just just throwing that out there. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> like, I might follow like that one on social media. Uh. <laughs> but like, we put cement mixers on the the show floor. So there's like that end, and then I am recently just got put on a show called World of Tea, where literally all that we do is heat water and make tea. And people are so excited about tea at this show. Like so much, so much hot water. Every possible way you could imagine heating water. Um, but like- That one's not for me. That one's not for me. <laughs> uh, it, it's within bar and restaurant, which is way cooler. So like still there, but like just thinking about all the different clients that we serve. And so like when I work on LDI, I'm talking to people within the live event industry. They speak my language. I speak their language. When I say, how much power does your video wall need? They can give me exact specs. They know exactly what they need. They know how much their gear weighs so that I can talk to the building riggers to then hang their points. But when you're at bar and restaurant, you have people who they have no idea they have an outside contractor coming in that's bringing all of this gear for them. Um, so being able to communicate effectively with people that speak different technical languages is so important. And I think even within, just within theater, we've all talked about um, John and Jen specifically bridging the gap between scenic and costume because sometimes costumers get like shoved in their own little corner away from everyone else and no one wanders over there to see what they're doing but expand especially for our scenic and lighting people expanding your vocabulary and your knowledge base into those other areas are going is going to make you way more marketable you're going to be able to walk into a room and talk to anyone that's there so being open to those conversations even if you you can't even sew. You've literally never thought about sewing. A button falls off a shirt and you just throw it out. Like being able to make those connections is really important. And I think that's the number one thing. I remember in undergrad, John told me my assignment for the semester was costume designing and I was so mad. I was like, I'm, I'm going to be a technical director. Why am I doing this? Like you're wasting my time. I'm, I, I need all of these other hard skills that I, to go to grad school and be successful. And that was probably one of the most like life-changing experiences I had. I spent so much time thinking about pockets and all of these little tiny details that I would have never considered. And I was mad at the beginning and was way less mad by the end. Um, but a lot, like taking those opportunities where you don't think you have the skills to do it, um, and learning quickly and figuring it out as you go is so important. And so not being afraid of taking a step into a new industry where you're like, well, I don't know if I really can. If you have the attitude of, I can figure this out, you can do anything. Yep. It's, it's, <laughs> That, that's extra helpful when you come across somebody that claims to have technical language uh, and you in fact you have to really talk them through a lot of things because uh, uh, they have no language uh, can I can I ask one more question just off of what Cassidy said in all the different shows that you're working on concrete and tea 
are you seeing production needs from all the different areas of what people are learning and about to go learn in these graduate programs? It's a loaded question. I mean, <laughs> yes, obviously. Um, there, I was just having a conversation with Barn Restaurant and World Tea about their keynote room. And they were saying all of these words that clearly they had heard someone else say before. They were talking about big, beautiful production value. And I'm like, okay, as the person who is gonna need to talk to our vendors, what do any of those words mean to you? So being able to um, paint those word pictures and then also be able to paint them real pictures. I was just drafting an AutoCAD yesterday because everyone kept talking about this, this activation area and what are we going to do here? And it's like, vendors and sponsors aren't interested in these activities unless you can show them a picture of like, here's where I'm going to put your video wall. And they're like, perfect. I would love to give you thousands of dollars to put my video wall there. But until you can really give them a, a picture of what it's going to look like, they're not interested. And the same thing goes, the shows I've worked on so far haven't had as many dress and costume needs, but I know LDI, they always bring, there are Vegas showgirls on the floor. So there's someone who has to pick out what those girls are wearing. There are performers at booths. Um, Roby last year had this whole, not last year, we don't talk about that year. Uh, this whole experience with performers and everything. So like someone had to costume them for this singular trade show event. So every area of traditional theater is applicable in this new conference in trade show world that I'm delving into. Uh, uh, so we've got uh, another two questions that I'm gonna kind of combine. They seem to kind of work off of each other. Uh, but uh, it's it's something interesting that personally I haven't really thought about. So interested to hear what everybody else thinks. Uh, uh, both TJ and Nicole. Nicole, by the way, calling from Northwestern State University in Louisiana with our good friends there, Karn and Rowe. Uh, costume design student as well. Nicole, notice how I skipped over the name of your town because I always butcher it. So, Nakanish. Nakanish. There you go. That one. I've practiced it. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so TJ and Nicole, uh, are asking, uh, starting off with TJ, he says, do you ever get worried that if you, if you have a consistent work in another industry, film, corporate, live, or whatever it is, that it will be hard to switch back into theater or any other industry as you lose touch with your contacts and the process, contacts in the process. And then I'll tag in, uh, Nicole's question saying that hers is kind of similar, do you find it common that people tend to get stuck in a specific industry or is it more common for people to be working in multiple fields, theater included? Can I, can I tackle this for a second? Um, I wanna tackle two things on the, the first wording of this question. One, don't lose contact with people, right? Like that, that'll solve a lot of that problem. Also, you may think you've lost contact with someone, particularly during this pandemic time. That doesn't mean that they've forgotten you, right? So you can always reconnect. Um, and the other, the other part of that question, hang on, I'm scrolling to try to find it. Oh, 
about the process that you'll lose touch with the process. So I have a real problem with people saying that theater is one process because I think theater is many processes, right? And part of the process is personal. So you're gonna take your theater process, your theater process, and you're gonna twist it to fit these other industries, but it's all rooted in you in the first place, your skills, your time management, your project management, right? And so you're just gonna come back to those ideas and, and reapproach it through a theater lens. So I, I don't wanna call your question like a little out of sync, but I think it's a little out of sync with how we actually work. I, I wanna add that I, I find I don't get stuck in, in a specific role career-wise, but often in one client, one organization, they only think of me as the person that does X or Y. So, uh, you know, I, I do some work with, with tours. Um, so they view me as like a custom small electronics person. And that is like, that is not how Herman Cassidy, Bill or Jen would think of me in the work I do, right? Like, <laughs> um, so, so that, that particular company would only call me for that kind of work. Another company only, only thinks of me as a trainer and, and uh, inspector, but, but not necessarily like a drafts person or a technical designer or whatever. And that's okay, um, but, but diversifying your skills and diversifying your contacts helps with that. Uh, and also keeping in touch, you know, like Jen said, in the pandemic, it's easy to, to shoot an email and say, anything, anything coming up, you, you know what I can do, right? Um, but, but I do think that that idea of getting pigeonholed into, into this, is, this is what you do uh, is real, and it's very difficult to break out of that um, within one organization or client or whatever. And and I, I, to jump in on what John and, and Jen are saying, see the connections are important, but it's also, um, we're storytellers, right? That's what we get to do every day, um, no matter what the client, but sometimes we're the worst at telling our own story and via our website, via our social media, via that. And that's one way that I have engaged current clients or new clients is showcasing, hey, look at this cool thing I'm doing. And a client will be like, I didn't know you could do that. And I was like, oh, I guess you need to tell them sometimes or just uh, checking up with you. Just want to let you know some of the cool things I'm working on. Here's a great thing. If you ever need any of these types of services, would love to touch base. Let's grab a coffee soon. That it's hard to think about when you're working and gigging and life. And if you throw kids or a family or any of that type of stuff in there, it starts getting nuts. But that self-advocation is going to be huge. And um, I think John's underselling himself. I think he does a good job at this. Um, but uh, uh, you, you, get, uh, you get what you give and you've got to put out your story as well as the ones that we get to create for other people. Yeah, I, I think, uh, Dibs, Dibs, my turn. Uh, uh, I, I, 
I think, again, so far, three people have answered this, and uh, a common through line is the word self, right? So, so the, the getting stuck, the pigeonholing, it's almost kind of self-driven, right? And, and all the, the side hustling that we do, because what, what a lot of us, participants including, included, what we all have in common is that pretty much most of us, I'm, I'm willing to bet, we all started off in freelance jobs, just gigging from one to another, it's very rare to hear somebody at such a young age to just kind of start in that full-time job. Uh, so a lot of just kind of freelance, we were over hire electrician, carpenters, seamstresses, whatever it was, uh, and we, we jumped around. And it was over time that our own interests developed that we started thinking, hey, I got, I got this one gig and I happen to like what I did and let me investigate that further. And and, and we start from this wide base and we're the ones that kind of start self-driving, not to mention also that just life happens. You know, you start selling down, you start, uh, uh, you know, maybe you get married, maybe you have kids, maybe you just kind of like me and like, I don't like to get up early anymore. So I don't want to do that, no. Uh, and you you have a little bit more liberty of just kind of self-picking your own gigs. Uh, but uh, as you can see, like here, here's five different people, five different backgrounds, and there's still jobs out there that can connect us. Uh, we may still find us at a common job place despite being uh, in different places uh, because we, we, we've known each other from different aspects. Uh, and again, that industry is so small, as, as wide as we think we are, uh, we, we tend to, it's very easy to connect to each other with less than six degrees, uh, no matter what part of the country we're in. So uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if uh, TJ, Nicole, or anybody else that may have that concern. I don't know if you need to worry necessarily about being stuck. Focus on what you want to do, and uh, you're going to naturally get those other calls, anyways. I just, I just want to add that you know that the freelance like hustle life is so hardwired and ingrained into me that I can't turn it off. Right. Like I've been I've been in my current job, full time professor job since 2014. And I'm still like, yeah, I'll go push cases at 4 a.m. Pay me. Right. Like, yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's not it's not the best idea, but it, it's like so hardwired into me and ingrained into like my brain and my philosophies of how I function. Um, that, that sometimes it's a detriment. Um, I feel like Jen would be the first person to be like, John, it's always a detriment. John, say no, John, don't do this. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, so we've got uh, about five minutes left. Uh, so I'm gonna start thinking about our, our wrap up here. We've, we've gotten a little bit of a sampling of, of the participants that we've got out there. Uh, thank you, by the way, to all those participants that have been engaging with me on the chat room. Um, I'm gonna put our panelists on the spot and first ask everybody to put their contact info in the chat room and John put it on a slideshow there. So uh, that also saves us there. Uh, I can go ahead and, and I feel very confident speaking on behalf of uh, my fellow panelists here uh, to do what we've been advising you to do and reach out. Uh, to any one of us. Uh, I know that this group is extremely friendly and uh, is extremely willing to help out and push ahead the next generations. 
uh, we're, we're, we're not interested in being the leaders of the pack here and being our own experts. Uh, so we're, we're more than happy to help you out with, our, with your successes. And especially three out of the five of us, us being professors, uh, your successes is, is their successes. Uh, so, so please uh, reach out, take up our advice. And if there's any more questions that we didn't get to answer, uh, please reach out to us and, and let us know. Uh, I'm going to do a little kind of around the room here and to all the panelists, uh, think about any last minute tips and advice. Think about the, the, the sole purpose of this, how to get into non-theater industry, any last minute tips that we have not hit upon, uh, a little parting words of wisdom. Uh, I'll start off with just in the order of my screen here, Bill. So uh, two things. One, I am the production manager of LDI. I do take interns. You have my email. Come to Vegas for a week and let me show you some awesome ways to get engaged to uh, Meow Wolf and nightclubs and immersion design and all of those things. But the other thing that we kind of missed, um, I think in some way is uh, this network that is presenting to you uh, came organically through the work and we met each other either in grad school or in different ways. You have this awesome moment in your lives right now where you're at Erda, and there's a chat where you can meet all of these people and build your network. When you go to grad school, you're gonna build those networks. Take advantage of that. Start accumulating the Rolodex to your future because all of, that's probably an antiquated phrase these days, but uh, your contacts list and your smartphone, but you need to um, thrive in this because they're all gonna have side work and be like, I need a lighting designer. Oh, I met this really awesome person that's a lighting designer. I wonder if they're available. And even if they're not, they might know someone that is. So take advantage of all these people in this chat, uh, connect with everyone and, and really get out there and, um, and, and put yourself out there. Uh, John, what do you got? I'm always the person to be like, let's go get a beer. I will buy the first round. And, and I think that's how a lot of the co-panelists relationships that have have been built right like uh, maybe not so much Cassidy when she was my student but after she was my she wasn't my student anymore was, yeah um, but but that idea of being open to to building those relationships and and seeking out opportunities to learn more about people and and, and have that like our one we're friends and at our 18, we're still kind, at least kind of friends. So be, be open to, to building those relationships. Uh, and if you haven't get vaccinated, so we can all go to bars again and be happy. Thank you, John, for that plug of both bars and vaccinations. Uh, Jen, what do you got? So I'm, I'm here for all of what was just said, but counter to that, you have to take care of yourself first and foremost. If you're working 18 hour days and then going to the bar, the next day is probably gonna be terrible, right? And so while you're young, you're gonna do these crazy things. We all did them too. But at some point I tell my students, you have to go from surviving to thriving. And surviving mentality is I must take every job, I must connect with every human, I must attend every everything. And thriving is, what do I actually want my life to look like? 
how much time are things taking and how can I set myself up so that my life and my career are both moving forward and I'm actually feeling good at any given moment about both of them. Thank you, Jen. Cassidy? Um, so I think the perspective that I have that's probably different than my other four panelists is don't discount or underestimate yourself because you're the youngest person in the room. Most of these people were my teachers or my mentors, and now I'm sitting here with them, being able to speak from a perspective that is different than theirs. Um, for a long time, I thought, well, no one wants to hear what I have to say because I'm new to this. And so, but sometimes that new perspective is what everyone else in the room needs. So don't be afraid to step up and say something if you have an idea, because it might be the best idea in the room. Um, yeah. Thank you, Cassidy. You kind of took mine. Uh, that's that's what I was going to say. Yes. Just. Again, if you if you are if you found your way to this session at the Erdas and you're participating this far, you're already five steps ahead of the game, and you probably don't even realize it. Uh, you're already farther along in in your career and your life than what you think you are. So give yourself more credit than what you've probably been giving yourself at the moment, and just continue uh, uh, picking at the path that you want to take, the people you want to talk to. Uh, reach out uh, again. This is all self-driven, and 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 going back to my soapbox, the soft skills. Don't put this aside. Communicate, collaborate. Uh, it's going to take you very far. Just having a good personality. I'm a production manager as well. I'm hiring nonstop. Uh, so, and that's all I really look for. Can I talk to you? All right. Uh, so, thank you all, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you to the Erdas. Uh, thank you to my fellow panelists for joining us here. Uh, uh, shout out to everybody that participated in the chat and, and those that were just attentively listening. Thank you as well. Uh, look forward to seeing you possibly maybe the Erda's 2023. Who knows? Stay safe, everybody out there. Stay healthy. Good luck on your interviews, everyone. Yeah, good luck, good luck. everybody. Wow, that was great. So much fun. We always try and find ways to keep in touch with those we've worked with or met in the past. As you heard, everyone on tonight's episode, I've met in various capacities in the past 15 years. They're my network. We've got another series lined up for you. This time we're focusing on networking groups. We'd love to hear from you. So hit us up on email, Facebook, and everywhere else. Herman normally tells you to contact us. <laughs>